0: G'day, folks! Thanks for tuning into the Finance Hour. It's Ruben Zell. We're here. Uh, I am enjoying doing this show. I've been doing it for almost two years now. Uh, if you want to search any previous shows, please head over to the finance hour uh, page on uh, iTunes. You can find us on Spotify as well. Or you can find us on the Air website. I'm a financial planner. My business is Adapt Wealth Management, but we're not here to talk about my, me or my business today. We are here to talk about the property market, both the residential property market and the commercial property market, and also any implications of the performance of though of property and the implications on the economy as a whole. So joining me today, I have a finance hour regular, Tim Farrelly, who always shares some great insight uh, and he's a person that I follow quite closely uh, in terms of where things are going, be it investment markets, economies, uh, and he always gives some great insight. So we're going to get Tim on the phone in just a couple of moments, but before we do that, it is time for Ruben's Rant. Ruben's rant. Now, my rant this week, of course, is about the federal budget and the announcement from Josh Frydenberg that the budget is 7.1 billion in the black for the first time since about 2007. We're in surplus. Problem is, though, Josh, we're not actually in surplus yet, are we? Um, at the moment, we're still in deficit. What we've done, you've done, is predict a surplus, but we're not going to really know if that actually eventuates till around September of this year. And it's just a curious thing why when the government announced these budgets, it's always forward-looking. It's what is it going to be a, a surplus or a deficit. They never go back and talk about what's happened in the past. And if you think about it, any sort of company in the stock market, they've got to come to the market and tell them, well, what did we do in the last quarter? What did we do in the last year? And if we did well, why did we do well? And if we didn't, you know, why not? And what are we going to change? But it seems to me with the federal budget, there's no accountability of what uh, has happened in the past. There's only sort of predictions of the future, and often they can be wildly wrong, particularly because a lot of the income uh, that the governments get is kind of out of their control. In particular, company taxes uh, you know, have been very much influenced by what resource prices have been doing and how much profits the BHP and RIOs are making, and that's out of their control. And it's also something that's very, very difficult to predict. So it's great to sit there and announce we're in the black, but we're not actually in the black until uh, we actually are, and we've looked back and seen that we are. Okay, uh, well, that's just my rant for the week. I'm just going to put on some brief music, and then we are going to get Tim Farrelly on the phone. Welcome back to the Finance Hour. We are talking to Tim Farrelly about the residential market and the uh, commercial property market as well. Tim, thanks for joining us today. Good G'day, Ruben. How are you? Very well, very well. Now, Tim, you know I'm an avid reader of your quarterly publication that goes out to us financial planners. Mm-hmm. Been getting it for a while, and I want to just talk about a few of the things that you raise uh, in this particular quarterly, uh, which I think will be of a lot of interest to our listeners. I mean, it really was focused around, you know, residential property market and the commercial property market, and what what impact that might have on the economy. But so I want to start with the residential market because that's obviously everyone's. Interested in it? Uh, You said in the um, in your introduction that you think there might be further falls in the market of five to ten percent. But first, I I want to understand why you think that. But first of all, what do you think the the residential property market has fallen to date?
1: I mean, clearly it it differs from city to city, but across the country, uh, say capital cities, it appears to be down about between eight and ten percent so far. Okay. More in Sydney, yes, Uh, and Sydney's more like twelve. Melbourne's about ten. Other cities lesser.
0: Yeah, and does it differ between sort of houses and apartments, or?
1: Yeah, houses are down a little bit more than apartments. Not a lot, just cut one or two percent. And this is all data from Core Logic.
0: Yes, uh, I think you mentioned
1: before, and they seem to do some really good work in this area. Yeah.
0: Okay, so. Then I mean, so there's been reasonably substantial falls, although I suppose that's only really taking away, um, you know, a couple of years worth of gain. So it's not yes. super yes. significant. But you said this. You think there's uh, potential falls in the order of five to ten percent still coming? Why do you think that?
1: Okay, it's it, it's we'll go back to the start and talk about why I think residential property prices have risen as much as they have. Yes. And then say, well, if you if that seems to be driving prices, what does that mean going ahead? So you you look at the typical things that drive prices, you think about, well, maybe it's rental growth, maybe it's inflation. It's none of those things. Mm. Um, The price increase over the last 15 to 20 years uh, are more like 10 to 11 times uh, for Sydney housing prices, for example, or I think 8 times for Melbourne housing prices. Inflation in that time has been more like 80 or 90%. Mm. Rents have gone up by about 200%, not a 1,000%. So it's mm. not rents and inflation that's driving it. I think the fundamental driver is we've got a, a, an unusual market where typically, you know, in economics we talk about prices set by demand and supply, and that's largely the case here. But I think there's been a shortage of residential property in Australia, particularly in the capitals, for many years. We've had mm. rapid population growth and the building has never kept up.
2: Mm. Now,
1: when you get a shortage, typically what happens is prices go up, well, we've seen that, and they go up until such time as the price is so high that demand falls away or more supply comes on board and you hit a new price. Mm. Unfortunately, with the residential property market, demand doesn't move much. People need somewhere to live. And, you know, not everyone can go back and live with mum and dad.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: And S- so the supply doesn't adjust to higher prices. Mm. Because it takes so long to build houses and getting through council and all that, demand's never caught up. And so prices have gone through the roof. So you
0: really think and- it's been a supply issue? Is that the major issue? Or is this- I think
1: that's the major issue. Mm. And prices have gone up, to, they, they, they just keep rising until they hit another hurdle. And the other hurdle appears to be how much will the bank uh, lend, lend
0: to people. people. yeah.
1: So for example, you know, typical experience of someone looking and trying to enter the housing market at the moment is they get out and they look around in their target areas and they come back on the first day completely flattened. They cannot believe how little they can buy for their money. Mm. And so it's instead of buying the house of your dreams, more often than not, it's let's buy the least worst house we can. Yeah. And that means going down to the bank and saying, how much can you give us?
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Now, what happens is, uh, certainly in the past, it's it's a little different now, and I'll explain that in a moment, is as interest rates have fallen, the amount the bank will lend you has gone up.
2: That's right. the way
1: the bank assesses you is they say, oh, you've got $50,000 worth of excess income or spare income in order to meet interest payments. Mm. And they'll say, well, if interest rates are at 8, they say, well, we're going to put a 2% margin on top of that so you can still cope if interest rates go up a bit. And they'll say, well, we're going to lend you money as if interest rates are at 10. And so they say... At 10%, with a half a million dollar loan, you can use your $50,000 a year to pay your interest and everyone's happy.
0: So that actually, I mean, you said before, um, you know, supply was a reason, but yes, interest rates falling is also then a big reason for property yeah. markets going up as well. Because, that, because that allows people to borrow. Supply. Right, it and that allows, allows people to borrow yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: If we weren't in short supply, it wouldn't matter. Interest rates would be of minor importance.
0: Mm. But, so but what, yeah sorry, I go on. I was just going to say sorry I, I know I'm cutting off the middle a little bit but you're talking about you know, you're saying that supply is the the big um issue but you also talk a lot about pro, about different asset asset markets getting into bubble situation at different times yes. which can just be a function of sentiment and people just yes. getting over exuberant right about various markets i mean surely that's also happened in the property market right? or you don't think it so doesn't, it doesn't It doesn't
1: feel that way to me. Mm. To me, it's a desperate need for people to have a roof over their head
2: Mm.
1: and, more importantly, their own roof over their head. The the rental market in Australia is not a very forgiving one. It's unusual to be able to rent a place and still be there in 10 years' time. And Mm. so people get sick of being moved and the, the need to put roots down means you want to end up buying. And yeah. in the environment where there's a shortage, the thing that uh, controls how much you can spend is how much the bank will give you.
0: But is it shortage or is it also perceived shortage as well? As you say, no, if someone's no, been. No, it's an actual shortage. Yeah. It's an okay. actual shortage. Okay. Because
1: you put, the, reason you, the reason I believe this to be true is you track prices against how much banks are prepared to lend against the dollar of income. The two just line up so closely.
0: Yeah. Okay. So
1: much more closely than rental growth, or much more closely than inflation. It, it really appears that this is the case. Right.
0: Okay. So sorry, so, I did interrupt you where you were talking about uh, yeah. bank lending. Uh, you're so the bank about, lending yeah. is critical. Mm.
1: And so, I you know explain how at an eight percent interest rate, and I've got fifty thousand dollars, the bank will give me half a million. Well, let's assume interest rates now fall to six percent. Yeah. Now they're going to go. Uh, well, we'll add two percent on that, and we're going to assess you at eight percent. And now we're prepared to give you instead of half a million, it'll be something like six hundred and twenty-five thousand. Mm. Yeah. And so there's now been a twenty percent increase in how much money they will give me. Mm. And when everyone in the market suddenly has twenty percent more money to spend, guess what happens to the prices? Yeah. They go up by twenty percent. Right, and then no one can afford to pay anymore, and, and it goes on. That appears to have been what's been happening.
0: Mm. Now, so so the, the overall downward uh, movement in interest rates over the last twenty years, or you know, yeah. obviously, obviously, the, yeah. you know, there's been some bumps, but but largely the trend's been down. That's yeah. been a big factor, obviously.
1: That has been what's driven bank lending practices. Right. Now, the really interesting part about what's happened in the last couple of years is. Without interest rates falling or going up, banks have changed their lending practices.
2: Mm.
1: So, firstly, uh, a couple of years ago, the regulator APRA said to the banks, "When you take the current interest rate and add on two percent, uh, the number you arrive at, until it assess people's ability to repay that loan, can never be lower than seven and a quarter percent." So, if home loan rates were at one, they wouldn't be assessing at three
0: anymore. Mm, they're, still...
1: they're now threatening, threatening, assessing at seven and a quarter. Mm. And that assessment rate won't change until home loan rates get above five and a quarter. Right. So we're in a new environment. In this new environment, they won't give you quite as much money as they would have done two or three years ago. Mm. And interest rates going up and down don't have much of an impact anymore. So that's very different. But the most important one is if you turn up to a bank today with exactly the same income and spending habits as you did three years ago, today they'll give you somewhere between 15 and 20 percent less money than they would 15 years ago. Yeah, and it's not only the seven and a half, seven and a quarter percent. you are now starting to look at your income much more closely,
2: mm. and your Back expenses. In
1: the, yeah, also, oh, and your expenses, sorry, mm. not your income, yeah. your expenses more so. So a couple of years ago, they would say, oh, you live in this suburb, you've got this sort of job, you're probably spending X amount of dollars. Mm -hmm. Now they're actually examining the bank statements. I heard a story from a mortgage broker recently that said they had a client who was approved for a half million dollar loan, and then the bank came back a week later and said, "Uh, we notice on your bank statement uh, you've been seeing an obstetrician. And we notice you've been to some baby shops. Uh, do you either have a child or have one or planning to have a child? The answer is yes. Okay, it's not half a million anymore. It's only
0: four hundred
1: thousand. Yeah, crazy. So, so yeah. that kind of stuff is happening. They're looking mm. much more closely. But Net that, impact, yeah, yeah, And no one's re, no one knows for sure. But it it's about fifteen to twenty percent mm. less money you'll get if you turn up today than if you turned up two years
0: ago. Mm. And, and is that and where you makes, get? Is that where you yeah. get to saying you expect the fall to be fifteen to twenty percent? Twenty
1: percent. And That's we're exactly 10, it.
0: and we're about ten percent now. So you and think we're about it, halfway through. you think it still hasn't hasn't completely flowed through? What about the I fact? There's a little
1: bit yeah. more to go.
0: What about um yeah the fact that they're talking about all the time that wages aren't growing up much, you know, That been has very an impact. Fl- Does that is that a big impact or?
1: Yes, it it, it well, it's not a huge impact, but over time it's big. Mm. From a year to the next, it's not. So, for example, if interest rates never moved, then the amount the banks would lend you if you were on average weekly earnings would go up at the same rate of average weekly earnings. Mm, that's so, right. So if average weekly, weekly earnings were going up at, say, 3%, mm. then you'd expect housing price to go up at 3 if interest mm. rates were completely flat. Yeah. So and, and, yeah. I, and I suspect that's what's happened, will happen, after this
0: current correction settles down, right. So that's, that's, that's exactly what my next question was going to be. Let's say this all, you know, comes to a, a conclusion, which, as you say, probably will, because the banks' practices have changed. Take a while to filter through, but then that's yes. going to be the new normal. Yeah. And from that point, you're saying that that you could expect uh, property price growth to be around what people's incomes increasing by. That's exactly right. Well, you know, which is not. Super different to the inflation rate, is it? It's maybe a little bit more?
2: It,
1: it should be. It should
0: be a couple percent more, but recently mm. it's been half percent more.
2: So yeah.
1: that, that will also contribute.
2: So, should, now, so yeah. yeah.
1: Everything I've just said is just theory. But as it turns out, the facts are matching the theory pretty well. Mm. You know, we've had these discussions before a couple of years ago, before this tightening in lending practices, saying this is what's driving prices higher. Now we've had a tightening lending practices. According to theory, prices should fall, and that's what's happened. Yeah. So, you know, at this stage, the theory looks pretty sound.
0: Okay. So, what about um, you know some things that are potentially coming out of left field, like Labor have announced around um, you know a couple of policies, particularly around removing negative gearing uh, on existing properties. Um yep. Would you expect something like that? But they're not they're not removing it on new properties. But would you expect something like that to have a significant impact? There are, I mean, I, did, I have had like a number of calls from people saying, well, you know, we should get into the property market now before that that rule change comes in. But do you expect that to have a substantial difference?
1: Uh, there's a whole bunch of stuff on this one. One, mm. I don't expect to have much of a difference, is the bottom line. Yeah. Uh, the Labor Party have fiddled around with capital gains tax in the past. Mm. And negative gearing in the past.
0: Sorry, it's both negative gearing uh, and, and capital gains tax. I didn't yeah. mention that yet. And,
1: and, and it hasn't had much of an impact. Mm. The second piece about it is, I mean, I don't know why people get excited about negative gearing.
0: Yeah, you know, you're losing if, money.
1: If, well, one, you're losing money, but it's hard to lose money. You know, if I'm borrowing at, say, five, and I'm putting 80% of the capital up, that means I'm paying away 4% a year, uh, as interest, my rents are probably two and a half. Yeah. So, so I've got one and a half I'm picking up, which is not a huge number. Yeah. And you know, I get yeah. half of that back.
0: Well, if you take into account if it's new property, you've taken account depreciation. Um, yeah. You know that can make a a bigger tax impact.
1: Yeah. It can, yes. Yes. Mm. And, and and they're not fiddling around. I think they're not going to fiddle around with uh, new properties.
0: No, no. So they'll no. Still, yeah, but it won't. Um, yeah. So it shouldn't. If if it's still, in, I mean, in some ways, it makes new properties uh, more attractive for investors than existing properties. Oh. would you think would increase the you know potential supply of, of those new properties for investors in no, a way.
2: Possibly, yeah. possibly. You, but you've, you've got things they, working the other
0: way.
1: To, new investors need to be encouraged to get back into this market. Mm. Um, because right now they're running scared.
2: Yeah. So the, the other yeah. issue
1: around, around that policy, it's a stupid policy. Mm. The reason I say that, it negative gearing is a cost to the federal government, mm. but all of this investment activity generates a very large amount of stamp duties, yeah. which are income to the state government. And given that rents will grow, even though it's slowly, over time, the amount of money state and federal governments collectively earn from investing in old properties is a positive. So by mm. discouraging that kind of activity, Are from, from, they're actually...
0: So the like, actual turnover of properties, you're saying, yeah. the buying and selling of them make them a lot of money, yeah.
1: Yeah. Now, the, the Fed, for reasons that aren't clear to me, have missed that because at a state level, they're the ones who are going to uh, see the immediate mm. hit to their bottom line. But given the feds fund a lot of the state re- revenue, they really ought to be looking at it as collectives. Because if the states have a big shortfall in revenue, guess what? The federal government has to make it up.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: Yep.
1: And so looking at that individually, I, I think, is just a dumb policy.
0: Yeah. So would you say then, Tim, uh, you know, is now a good time for people to be buying residential property, be it as their own sort of house or be it as an investment?
1: Oh, I, I think if you were a uh, looking as a somewhere to live in, mm. I think the next six months or year will be a very good time to buy. Mm. You know, we probably... We'll see prices about as low as we're going to see them for many years, but not as if we're going to miss out on a huge runaway boom. But it just—I think it's a good time to buy. Mm. As an investor, I would—I just would not be interested at all. Yeah. As an investor, I'm talking about a yield of one and a half, two and a half, three percent. A growth of about two or three percent. So I'm getting about a five percent return. Mm. My cost to get in and out are close to seven or eight percent. So over a seven-year period, which is a typical holding period, I, I, I've now down to about I mean, five or six percent return, four percent return.
0: Yeah, the thing is, it, is it's just is not it, not attractive. Yeah, the thing is though, is people, you know, people still look at it if they've if they've bought residential property in the past and they've bought it reasonably well, they still look at it and think it's been really great for me. Why is you know, you know why won't that continue in the future? I mean, you're saying that it won't, but but, they'll, but people say...
1: Oh, people will keep on doing it. Yeah, based but I'm on... I'm just saying it's yeah. not a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> Your question was, is it a good idea? Yeah. No, yeah. it's not a good idea. doesn't mean people won't do it.
0: Yeah. So what about then, I mean, we also talk about, you know, if, if property prices are falling and if people's homes are falling a bit, have fallen a bit in value, does that actually make, you know, make people feel poorer and does that mean they go and spend less... You know, at the, at the shops, go to restaurants less or buy less clothes. Is that, is that relationship actually true?
1: It, there is certainly some truth to it. Yeah. Um, and when you look at consumption numbers versus housing prices, you do find that consumption tends to fall about six months after housing prices fall. Mm. Now, I think what's going on in that situation is a few things. One, uh, anyone involved in the construction industry, which is about 10% of the workforce. Is that much? Uh, well, let me think. Wow. Yes, it is, because consumption is about 60% of the economy mm. and residential construction is about 6% of the wow. economy. So, yeah. Yeah. So it, I think that's about right. Mm. It may be a little lower, um, but th- there is significant uh, earning... Earnings of people, so if their earnings are falling, uh, they're going to spend less. Mm. So that's one group of people. The second group of people, and we haven't really tested this to a large extent, but I'm I'm sure it's the case, is many Australians do have investment properties, Mm. and they have geared investment properties. So for them, a 10 to 15 percent fall really does represent a significant fall in their wealth. And I think you expect them to spend a little less as a result.
0: Mm. So they're so yeah. likely to be more sensitive to falls in the value of their investment property than they are falls in the value of their own home. Either way, it's just on paper, isn't it? I mean, it's yes. not...
1: Well, it's kind of like if my share portfolio falls, yes, it's on paper, but it's mm. real.
0: That's true. You, uh, like during the I, GFC, I, you know, yeah.
1: I, I've asked a lot of people... Mm. Uh, when the value of your home falls, do you change your spending habits? Mm. And they all go, no. Now, maybe a 20% fall will make a difference, but I don't think so. I, I can imagine there will be some people who have bought in the last couple of years and for whom they feel like they're dr- drifting into negative equity mm. and if they have any concerns about their job, will tighten yeah, well, that's what, what I a f- feel like yeah. It's a small percentage of the population. Yeah. I don't think it's an across the board
2: thing.
0: Yeah, well, my, my feeling is, is the general human nature is just to keep on doing what you're doing, <laughs> keep on spending yes. what you've been until there's an absolutely fundamental reason not to. That, you know, i.e., you lose your job or, yes. you know, yes. or you have a kid or, you know, or maybe you buy a property and you've got more expenses. But save for that, I don't know. I don't reckon people. You know, people don't change their habits that easily.
1: I, I don't think so. I, I completely agree with you. Yeah. So, yeah. That's what, why us
0: financial mean? planners have got such a tough job, Tim.
1: You're <laughs> <laughs> well, in the changing habits business.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: um, so you look at the economy and say, yes, the slowdown in the, uh, well, the fall in housing prices will certainly cause a slowdown in the economy. Mm. Now, we're seeing one of the, Residential construction activity is starting to come off. Uh, housing approvals has fallen fairly sharply. I'm told that uh, if you're a developer today and you bring a new project to market, that from the middle of last year, or I think it was about September, sales just fell off a cliff.
2: Yeah, that's right. They
1: were saying within within about a month, you went from you could sell the whole thing in the first week or two.
2: Yeah.
0: To
1: after a month, you've sold 10 percent of the project. Yeah. And and if you don't get the pre-sales, the development doesn't go ahead.
0: But surely, the I mean, yeah. I mean, I I think that's a bit of a worry because I th- surely you know say even developers that might have sold say seventy or eighty percent, and I've seen this personally as well, right? Developers who might have sold seventy or eighty percent of their properties, so they managed to, you know, get the finance. They've got the 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 properties up. They've sold seventy or eighty percent. They can't sell the last. I don't know, ten or twenty yes. percent. You know, it's impo- It's very difficult for them too. Their property prices are falling. You know, at some point they're just going to go bust.
1: They go bust, or they dump their properties and try and sneak out with a small loss. But some of them will go bust.
0: Yeah, well, the lenders will just come in and, and sell, and maybe even the lenders aren't going to get their money back. <laughs> well,
1: you know the, I mean? lenders have, the lenders have got pretty smart about. It.
0: Mm. Yeah, but if the if you literally can't sell the things for love or money, Tim. I mean, to sell it, you might have to drop the price by I don't know, but by, by enormous amounts. If you, if you if what you say is right, they're literally not moving.
1: Yes. You know. Oh yes, 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 yes. Now, Once they're completed, they can sell.
0: Yeah, it's yeah.
1: It's the pre-sales that aren't selling.
0: Yeah, but I'm saying they only need to to pre-sell a certain number though. They to get it yes. up. They don't need to pre-sell a hundred percent. So I'm saying. In that last, you know, I don't know. Let's say, let's say someone builds twenty apartments. I don't know what they need for pre get up. Let's say it's, I don't know, fifteen, sixteen. And what, no, what is it usually?
1: Oh no, I think it's eighty or ninety percent. The right. banks aren't going near people without eighty or ninety percent pre-sale. Right. And, and so typically, what happens is they don't start the project. Now that's right. causing them problems too, because they've invested a certain amount of money in the land and getting everything up to a point. Now they'd have nothing coming in.
0: So Basically, all the, yeah. So what they've got is land and some debt. Yes, yeah. but, but you know. but that's not terminal, though, is it for them? Like no. Yeah. And 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 it may
1: be perhaps for the developer, but it's certainly not terminal for the bank.
0: Cause yeah.
1: Typically, the banks are only putting up fifty cents in the dollar, and so for a bank or the lender they'll say, fire sale situation, we'll accept 50 cents in the dollar, we get all our money we back. Don't
0: care. But you still see, and I don't know what it's like there in Sydney, right, but I drive down the streets here of Caulfield, I mean, yeah, I'm on Hawthorne it. Road here, and you see apartment building after apartment building, you know, being advertised, like like they're just constantly out there, and you just, you know, yeah. they're sort of, a lot of them have just sort of started, or they're not, you know, or they've just got things. thing there, but a lot of them have started, and they're advertising for sale, and you just still think, how on earth are these things going to sell? Like, yeah. And it looks to me like they've actually, I don't know, it looks like they've actually started construction.
1: If they've cut, started construction, they've got most of their financing.
0: mm
1: Now, the banks are pulling back, and they may find the next leg of the financing impossible to get, which is where this whole new crew of lenders are coming in. Mm. And are more adventurous than the banks, and are charging higher interest rates.
0: mm but they will help the jobs get done. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Well, let's just look. We've, we've only got a few more minutes, but I just want to talk very briefly about um about office commercial and retail property. Yeah. Um. You know, I mean, I'm seeing clients now. I'm looking at, you know, portfolios for the last 12 months. The listed property trusts, which are obviously, you know, the property trusts that are... This is on the stock market, which generally hold commercial and retail property. I mean, they have just been had astonishing returns over the last 12 months. We're talking like, you know, 30%. Uh, You know, at a time where, you know, residential properties seem to be falling, and I'm sitting there with clients and saying, oh, you know, these property trusts have actually gone up by 30%. I mean, you know why the difference is there or is there no correlation between between the residential property and those listed property trusts are they just completely chalk and cheese
1: pretty much pretty much they are fundamentally different and the fundamental difference is there's not an oversupply Hmm. of commercial property and if they or an undersupply and if there was an undersupply in one area then people move to another area um, so we do have a- actually a shortage of office property in Sydney and Melbourne. Yeah. Very low residential vacancy rate, or sorry, very low rental vacancy rate. Mm. And so rents have been going through the roof. Yeah. Much more quickly than residential rents have gone up. Right. Prices have also gone up pretty strongly. Um, but the other thing that's different is particularly with the Listed property trust, they respond to the bond rate. Mm. And as you know, the government bond rates have come off pretty substantially over the last year. And yeah. so people say, well, if I can only get 1.8% on my government bonds, mm. whereas last year I could get three, they say, well, I can afford to get uh, 4% instead of 5%. Mm on well, listed
0: property, yeah, trust, and that's yeah. a 20% increase. Well, that's just, a, yeah, that's just the direct correlation between interest yeah. rates and, and asset prices in a way, isn't it? I yeah. mean, that, that, that's, yeah. isn't that, that, that same correlation is true about about all assets, isn't it? It's true about well, sort of shares or... Well,
1: that's a classic investment market. That's
0: a classic hmm. investment market.
1: Right. The prices of these are set by investors, hmm. and that's why the resi market is so different I think the resi market prices are set by owner occupiers,
0: right, right. Which, which so is, in, is by, in turn set by by borrowing standards, exactly. Uh, of the banks, and as you said, yes. su- and you, as you said, supply as well.
1: Yes. Well, yeah. it's the fact that we don't have sufficient supply
0: mm.
1: that means. It's the bank lending practices that are
0: in control. Yeah, and so what do you think? Obviously, there's you know and we use for clients as well some direct commercial property funds as well, so that they're they're yeah. not actually listed, but they hold property directly in a trust structure. Um, what do you think of them? You know, you know, and listed property trusts. I mean, they own commercial properties. I mean, the biggest one, like you know, Gamble yeah. is Chadston. so they also own property. But what's really the difference between the two of them, and what potentially represents? Better value, or why does one do well and the other not? Well, the,
2: the
1: the unlisted one said about ten. Yeah. And the reason is the market, what well, the share market, sets the value of the listed funds. Right. And it responds very rapidly to interest rates moves. Mm. The unlisted market is uh, set by valuers. Valuers right. don't believe interest rates have fallen yet. Well, they mm. they do, but. Uh, There was a piece by a very prominent firm of valuers uh, which came out in January this year, which said, "Look, when we're setting values, we know interest rates have fallen, but we think they're going to go back up again. So we're really cautious." Mm. And and they had in mind bond rates around about three and a half to four. Mm. Well, here we find them at 1.7.
0: Yeah, but they are also big uh, differences. And I've also got a client who is a uh, property value, and he's he's often scared about getting sued, right? Are they also conservative yes. for that reason as well? Yes. I mean, you know, what's the, what, why wouldn't they be conservative? If the bank's asking them to value the property for how much they could lend, I mean, geez, why wouldn't you be conservative?
1: <laughs> yes, yes. And, and that's one of the reasons I like your unlisted funds, which haven't kept pace, mm. because in effect, we're, in a lot of cases, I think we're buying at yesterday's values and mm. the values should be higher as they are with the listed funds, And but it's going to take a year, two years for valuers to look at it and go, mm. you know, interest rates aren't going back to fall.
0: Yeah, but, but as you said on the other hand, if you're saying if interest rates spike a bit, you're going to see the listed property trusts fall. Is that almost they inevitable? Come off.
1: They'll, they will come off mm. and you'll see very little impact on the other side in mm. the unlisted. So
0: really buying listed property trusts is, is a bet on where interest rates are going.
1: Uh, to some extent, mm. oh, no. They both they both are to, to an extent,
0: but mm.
1: one's a sh- it, it, it's it's the time frame of your bet. Mm. If you are buying today with a view to say I'm going to hold for ten years, it's essentially the same bet. If you're mm. buying today with this with the idea of what return I'm going to make in the next twelve months, then it's a bet on short mm. on interest rates.
0: So it's interesting. So the difference is really with the listed property trusts and the unlisted ones. The listed ones, are the the share market values them regularly and the unlisted ones... much more ones, quickly. Yeah, much more quickly. And the unlisted ones value us and, and typically those unlisted property trusts, do well, the, the, the properties get valued every six months, every 12 months? or?
1: Uh, they, they typically now run between 12 months and sometimes six months. Yeah. But the, the issue is not so much how often they value It's what metrics they're using to value. So mm. the building next door... Uh, goes on a yield of four percent, and the previous sale was at six. Say, the valuer goes, well, it may have just been a crazy buyer. Right, right. Uh, I'm going to value it at five. Mm. And then another one goes at four, and then another one, two years later, they go, okay, four is the price.
0: Mm. It takes whereas them a while a, to adjust.
1: Yes. Whereas in the share market, if BHP sells at thirty-five bucks tomorrow.
0: 35 bucks is the price. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And what about the difference then you said the office space? There's generally been a shortage and rents have increased a lot. Yeah. Um, you hear a lot of uh, retail struggling, certainly like the yeah. the retail strips definitely in Melbourne like uh, you know places that have literally have been blue chip, you know, uh, retail strips like Burke Road, Camberwell or like Chapel Street, Peran. You know, we now see um for lease signs everywhere. Yep. Um, you know, shopping centres, you also hear about, you know, that the, the, the rents are so high and people are, are screaming. I mean, what do you think about the actual retail? Or do, you, do you look on that granular level about yes. what, what, what retail property is doing?
1: I, I don't go much to the lower level, but what's happening is obviously online is becoming more important. Mm. There is still the majority of sales, that something like 90%, go through... Bricks and mortar retailers. I think what's happening though is the prices they are being able to sell goods at is coming down. Because mm. you and I know, if they're selling it in the shop at a hundred dollars, we can probably get it online for ninety. Mm. And is it worthwhile paying the extra ten bucks to be able to get it now? And if that online comes down to sixty, well, the hundred's not even an issue anymore.
2: Mm.
1: And and so. I think they're squeezing retailers' margins. My sense has been that your Burke Road, that those types of shopping strips, have always been higher uh, price retailers, mm. and they're the ones coming under much more pressure than the bigger chains.
0: Mm. And they're and so, going to have to start accepting lower rents.
1: Exactly, because they mm. just can't. People can't afford to pay them, you know. It's,
0: so do you think that the retail property is it's much more sensitive to the economy as compared to commercial or offices? Uh,
1: it, it's, I wouldn't say the economy so much, although clearly both are, 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 are sensitive to the economy. But it's more of this very long-term move to online uh, retailing and the pressure it's putting on retailers mm. Mm. that is going to drive down margins, particularly in places like those strip malls. Yeah. The big shopping centres, they seem to be coping well. Mm. You know, go to Chadson, it's chock-a-block. Yeah. Uh, there is some squeeze there. The rents aren't growing as fast as they have in the past, but they're still growing.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. So it, it, the market will be different in different places. Certainly if I was an investor in those smaller suburban strip
0: shops, I'd kind of be very nervous. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Tim. So one final question for you then. I think I know the answer, but just a quick one. Residential property or commercial property? What should, which should investors be looking at more?
1: Oh, absolutely commercial. <laughs> I think, I think commercial is going to give you a reasonable... Trend. It's not going to be stellar. Mm. Last year has been unusual. Going ahead, you'll get about 6%.
0: 6% Inclu- or 7% is that rent, income, and capital growth?
1: Income and capital growth. Mm. Not mm. fantastic, but I think in resi, it's going to be more like three, fours and fives. Yeah. that's And that's after it stopped falling.
0: Yeah, yeah. Which And as you say, you think it's still got maybe another 10% to go. Five, five percent. to 10%. Yeah,
1: something like
0: that. All right, Tim, thanks very much for joining us again. I appreciate it. I know you had to move an appointment uh, for us today, so thank you very much. And it won't be long before I call on you again. Uh, Pleasure, Ruben. Looking forward to talk to you soon. Okay, Bye. thanks. Bye-bye. All right, folks, that's it for the finance hour for this week. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, You can find our previous podcasts on iTunes or on Spotify or on, what's the Android one? I can't remember. Uh, But, or you can go to my website, adaptwealth.com.au or indeed go to the JA website as well. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next week.